Welcome back to another episode of One Winning Pod. We're here to talk about the uh, upcoming game uh, against the New England Patriots. Certainly a bounce back game, uh, one that the Ravens are, are looking forward to and uh, looking forward to kind of remove that taste of their mouth uh, from that horrid fourth quarter collapse against the Dolphins at home. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, you know, for me, just the, the day after that game, it was a little rough. Um, just very disappointing obviously you know we talked about it in depth last episode but uh yeah i'm excited for this game just to turn the page get a little bit better and uh hopefully come out with a win well you know at least a day after we weren't surrounded by you know screaming miami fans celebrating their super bowl win but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know exactly what you mean it's it's so crazy like I think it used to sting me more when I was younger, but still I'll like get up in the morning the day after the Ravens um, have a disappointing loss. And, you know, you just feel a little bit of, of a weight, a little bit of a heaviness, a little bit of an, you know, upset, disappointment, whatever. It's like the first thing that hits you. And, you know, all losses are bad. And I feel like the Ravens kind of have a bit of a, annual tradition where one of these first three games in September is a letdown, but for the Ravens to let this one down in as dramatic fashion as they did kind of made it sting a little more than if, I don't know, just say the Ravens went out and lost like last year, a scuffled 19 to 16 defensive struggle. So the Ravens will be heading to New England. Uh, this is a very different Patriots team than what we've been accustomed to. This will be the first time the Ravens will be playing the Patriots when Tom Brady is not under center since uh, 2000, I believe. It was the 1999 season, but the very last game of that year. So technically 2000. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting because for a while, this was a, a matchup that was circled on the calendar. Uh, because it was the Ravens' defaulted defense against Tom Brady, and and now that this matchup is different, so interesting in that regard. But yeah, I guess we'll get into this team. It's it's like I said, this is certainly a very different Patriots team than what we're used to seeing from these guys. You're right, Peter. This is a team that I always consider to be the Ravens' number one rival, uh, just because they seem to be more of a thorn in our side in critical moments than, let's say, even uh, the Steelers were. Steelers obviously a top rival as well, but for a while there, it was like the Patriots hate was next level. And now, uh, you know, without Brady there, without that kind of dynasty going on, uh, they're, they're just another, another team. But I will say after the 2000 game or, um, after the 2020 game, big letdown game, uh, obviously weather was a huge influence in that game. I'm looking for the Ravens to bounce back. I don't want to be disappointed like that again. Um, I would say in a way that was one of the more disappointing games since this last weekend. There have been others between now and then, but I remember being disappointed after that loss and being like, what the heck? Like we had that game in our hands. Like that, that was ridiculous. So looking for the Ravens to establish themselves again, uh, kind of get a third data point. So we can really get a trend of what's going on with this team. And, uh, I was a little disappointed in myself after the last episode because there was a couple other positives I wanted to talk about about the team that kind of got lost and forgotten in the shuffle. And we'll bring them up today when we're talking about like kind of the keys of this game. And uh, yeah, like just looking for the team to be a better version of themselves this week than they were last week. Keep growing, keep improving, and uh, obviously get a W because we can't <laughs> can't give too many of those uh, loss tokens out. Remember that? <laughs> bring back that oh. analogy. <laughs> I never forget the lost tokens ever since Alec brought that up in, in 2019. I'm like, man, I, it's just like, you know, you got the, those, uh, that bag of old Chuck E. Cheese coins in, in your back bookshelf somewhere. And you're like, man, I, I only got, only got six more of these I can use on the pinball machine. Right. So you gotta, you gotta use them wisely and make sure that you have, you don't use them all up. Cause then you're out. <laughs> oh man. Such a millennial analogy. Showing <laughs> here. Nobody uses tokens anymore. Are you kidding me? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Does Chuck E. Cheese even exist anymore? Or is that- it, still it does. does. It still does. does. It does. Yeah. There's, there's one in the festival. Yeah, it's been there forever. I don't oh, know. I, I think I think they keep resetting like the stores, the scores for like uh, the arcade games though, because I'm pretty sure my friend like way back in the day like had like all the top five scores of like the Star Wars game. 
<laughs> I don't even know if they have that game anymore. Oh man. But you know what's still what doesn't exist anymore, which is a big bummer, is uh Jeepers. Like did you guys ever go to a Jeepers birthday party as a kid? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I thought we went well, to the same one sometime, Peter. Yeah. We did, <laughs> didn't awesome. we? Yeah. yeah. Jeepers was the best, man, because it was Chuck and had the roller coaster. It had the roller coaster, it had the the bumper cars, it had like a a ball pit jungle gym that had like the zip line. And right. also fun fact about Jeepers, unlike Chuck E. Cheese, if there was a Ravens game, Jeepers would play it. Nice. So Jeepers, I mean, Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> is great, but Jeepers was the king of birthday places, and it's right. such a shame that they went under. <laughs> Anyways, we're here yeah. to talk about the Patriots as much as we'd love to reminisce about all the times we spent crawling around in German-infested um, <laughs> money grabs with uh, animatronic <laughs> <Again>. mice. <laughs> the Patriots, the Ravens. Yeah, let's get into these keys of the game that Alex talking about, and I'm just going to go right off on Alex's list because I think this first one is is key. And we talked about it the first two games of this season. The run game just hasn't been there. Whether it's been a combination of Dobbins and Gus being out and replacements just not hitting holes with as much power, it just had the offensive line just having a really difficult time even creating holes more often than not for the runners to rush through. And yeah, I I think this is the number one key to this game because whether or not the Ravens are going to be an offense this year that runs more than it passes, I mean, we certainly see that this Ravens offense can thrive being a passing offense, but you still got to run the ball. You still got to be able to have that in your back pocket to lengthen drives, give the defense a break and keep the defense, your opposing defense honest. So yeah, I, I think this is key number one for the Ravens getting on back on track is to figure out how do they get the run game to at least be complementary uh, to the passing game. And this is going to be a tough matchup for it because the Patriots rushing defense has been among the league's best to start out this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, man. One of the things I was just kind of thinking of, this is kind of goes beyond maybe the scope of this game a little bit, but it's just it's really a shame just like the timing of everything of like the last two years, kind of how this has been because, um, you know, one, I I think we, you know, we all kind of have wanted to expect Dobbins to have been back this last week. You know, we're hoping that he's close, but we still don't know, but it really got me thinking around just like, you know, we always talk about how offensive line play is really predicated on continuity. Like the more continuity you have, like the better, you know, play you're going to get when you have a bunch of guys who are sort of playing in positions for the first time, they're going to be growing pains. I feel like I'm almost kind of seeing that more with like running back too. It's, it's like, it's all kind of connected because just from looking at some of the play, uh, you know, from the first two weeks from some of the running back positions, like, you know, you'll see like some clips of, you know, some guys not hitting the right holes. I know everybody's kind of looking at the justice Hill play where, or like yeah. you have this wide sea parting and you didn't cut up field. You just kept going outside. Or there was a, a play I think we saw last week from Kenyon Drake of, you know, maybe not following his blockers, kind of cutting it inside too soon and, and running into somebody where he should have kept it outside and kind of ran behind Ricard and the pulling guard. So like, there's you know, it's, it's just a shame that last year the injuries happened when they did. And so the Ravens really couldn't have a great con you know continuity plan they just had to go get guys to fill in and that you know they just weren't good enough to bring back <laughs> because i feel like if if you know maybe you know some of those guys like freeman were just like a little bit better showed us a little bit more like they could have been an option to bring on this year and then we wouldn't have had to have these growing pains again of going installing a new running back into an offense that they haven't played with and trying to gel with the blockers in front of them and all that stuff. So I know there's a little bit of a long analysis there, but it's just one of those things of a, you know, I feel like we're just kind of running into the same issues as last year with, with continuity. And, uh, you know, we just, we need to see kind of more of that to before we can finally, you know, go back to some semblance of a run game. How remarkably desperate must we be to, for the second year in a row, have our starting running back be a cut player from another team, right? Mm. Like Drake was cut and that is ridiculous. Now, one of the things I'm looking for is if Dobbins is not playing in this game, I do believe we need to give justice Hill more run. I think he should be the starter and we're seeing it. You know, he's had the best juice in the run game. I think he passed blocks. Well, I think he should be at least the third down back consistently, but I, I would love to see more out of him because I don't think, in this offense, there's such a thing as a third down back. I think your third down back is the perfect back to have in every play. So that's uh, kind of what I want to see. But obviously, I'd rather see Dobbins out there more. The other thing I want to see, 
over top of offensive line improvement, which needs to be done as well, is we got to see better production out of the packages that we go out with. Ricard has not been himself this year. And I know that he's showed up with the injury report. And I know that he could have been playing hurt last week. But if you're not helping the team win a football game, you need to get off the field. And that's that goes to everybody. You know, if you need to get healthy, get healthy. I mean, Harb said the same thing in his presser that he was talking about, you know, we're not bringing people back on board until they're healthy and ready to contribute to a win. And I don't think Ricard was there last week. And he may not have been there the first week, to be frank, because he's been missing blocks all year. And I also think that this team could run better out of 11 personnel. So I'm looking to see if they change their personnel packages. If you looked at the personnel packages last week, there were so many two X's, it was driving me nuts. <laughs> and then, like, um, I just don't think that's getting the best players on the field. And, you know, I always harp on, get the best players on the field and run your plays out of that formation. There should be other, you know, you can, you can substitute other people in. Don't get me wrong. But your base formation should be your best players. And I don't think they're currently doing that. Sure. Yeah. And you bring up a great point as as much as i'm sure greg roman would love to run you know the the same packages that we've been running so much in the past you're right we we don't have a fully healthy pat ricard uh nick boyle can't even get cleared for game day Uh, that's where his health situation is right now and obviously ronnie stanley's not out there uh josh oliver is there but can't block the ravens might have to adjust and it's kind of early in the season to be doing that. But the reality is, like you're saying, the health of this team is just still not where we want it to be. And maybe it'll get better as the season rolls on. It's going to kind of even itself out with the inevitable injuries that will be sustained for a season run. But yeah, I mean, we've we've gone through preseason seeing this be an issue and we've chalked it up to, okay, you just don't have the starters out there. Now we do, at least the starters that are going to be here. So um, the Ravens are going to have to have some new wrinkles this uh, upcoming game, and we'll just have to see what they what they do. I, I agree with you, Alec. A, a change in packages uh, could be enough to switch things up. Uh, you're talking about bringing in Justice Hill. Maybe activate Tyler Beatty. Uh, just at least see what he can do. He can't be worse than <laughs> than Drake or, or Davis, really. Um, at least from a rushing perspective. I don't I don't know about pass blocking. I can't remember what he was able to do in the preseason. Beatty had a nice pickup in pass blocking. Yeah, remember he like got across the formation and picked up the block and allowed for the touchdown pass? That was a beautiful thing. Which game was that? Uh, now you're asking for Not to put you on the spot. I'm just trying to... I trust you. It was the second or third, I remember. Okay. Yeah, I I think it was the second or third preseason game. I can't recall which. Got it. Uh, I'm going to say it was the second because I don't think we were there live for it. Gotcha. But yeah, I think another thing to go off of, and this is one of the other keys of the game, is a third down conversions. Currently, the Ravens are 8-23 on the season, and a lot of those non-conversions were in the run game. The run game is not reliable in this offense. It's been killing drives, and it's been getting them in disadvantaged situations. And that's why I was like, never run ever, because the pass game never did that to them. (laughs) The pass game is what saves them. So, uh, you know, until otherwise, uh, please go pass the ball and fix everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah it's it's just the, the, they go they go hand in hand as long as the run game is not reliable and as long as we keep trying to go back to it it will shoot us in the foot and i'm not into shooting us into the foot i'm into winning football games <laughs> i'm not here to find out like if the, it's been fixed until we can run like i don't want to run again <laughs> right yeah it's yeah i mean it's, it's certainly been bad i mean that third down conversion rate I, is awful um, I mean, it really showed up in the game against Miami. It's just the time of possession difference is just so dramatically different. I mean, if the Ravens had any part of the run game, like take up all the time in the fourth quarter, they don't score 28 points. Right? Such a good point, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a shame, you know, I, I've, at least from what we've seen so far, I know the, I, you know, this isn't necessarily a knock on like the Ravens passing attack, but it is something that, you know, that we kind of lean a little bit more toward is, you know, we tried a lot for the big play be able to big pick up the sort of intermediate to longer sort of passing plays, especially against the Dolphins, just because they play a very aggressive defense, so you can kind of take advantage of that. But yeah, I mean, if we don't have a run game, you know, one substitute for it is kind of an extension of, of the run game, like the short passing game, and that really hasn't been too much of a strength of the Ravens. I mean, maybe, I guess you can kind of argue with Huntley. We played a little bit more of that last year. Uh, but at least for Lamar, I'm not sure if that's really you know something that we would gravitate toward, just because Lamar kind of has the threat of the run game just by himself. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, it, you know, certainly, you know, I, I agree with you guys. Something's got to change. You know, the the heavy packages that we threw out against the Dolphins just not effective whatsoever. And I, I don't know if the answer is like more tackles. It's just better blocking, better you know, situational matchups of just getting the right guys on the field. Um, take advantage of what the defense gives you, uh, because right now we just we don't have an offense we can assert our will and just run against guys. Another key to this game is going to be trying to see if the Ravens can get back to week one, what they were able to do. Um, the Ravens were able to bring a lot of an effective rush to the quarterback with simply bringing four, uh, just bringing interior pressure. Um, against Miami, that was difficult. You know, We talked in the preview show about how the Ravens might be able to take advantage of a what seemingly at that point wasn't a beat up offensive line. Uh, that turned out not to be the case. The Dolphins had no inactives on the offensive line and they looked quite healthy. Thank you very much. And now it only gets harder because while this Patriots offense may not have uh, a, a lot of playmakers in the vein of like a Tyree kill or a Jalen Waddle, what they do have is an incredible offensive line, particularly on their interior you know, it's it's funny. Um, back when we were talking about the NFL draft, everyone wanted to uh, to dunk on the Patriots for drafting Cole Strange in the end of the first round. Um, now, whether or not he was a reach, you know, we can debate that for eternity. But he's been very good to start his NFL career, from what I've seen with looking at some highlights and some pieces uh, from Patriots media today. Uh, the Patriots fans are all over this guy and he's getting into second level blocks a lot, watching the film, uh, very stout in both run blocking and pass protection. Uh, he's pairing well with the rest of their line. You know, you got Brown and Wynn on the tackles who are, who are pretty good. Um, I would say that they're slightly weaker than the interior, but still very solid and the center and guard are very strong there too. So, it's going to be a tough task for the Ravens front seven against these guys. Uh, it should be fun to watch, but we may have to temper our expectations a bit on expecting the Ravens to be able to just go out with four guys in interior pressure and expect to have similar success that they did against the Jets. I think you're going to need to to bring more against a unit that's as strong as this is for the Patriots. One of the keys to the game, to, according to Marcus Williams, is getting that pressure against Mac Jones. He was saying that he's played him before, and if you get the pressure against him, he might throw some Aaron throws, and you, then if they get the picks, you know they'll be all good. And he kind of walked off stage, which I thought was really funny. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're right, Peter. Like this is a good, maybe the best part of their whole team. Honestly, this team is a very odd build, and their offensive line could be the best. And we all know that a good offensive line makes for a good offense. Uh, you can't really have a good offensive line not have a least moderately good offense, although. <laughs> I guess they're almost trying to prove that they can. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, this is going to be difficult. And I'm curious if Travis Jones will be available this week. I know he's been practicing and I think he'd be a big boost to that interior rush. I I also just think the Miami game was weird on so many levels. I, I not to get like back into all that, but you know, they were getting the ball out pretty quick in many scenarios. And then when they stopped getting the ball out quick, we started bringing more numbers and we weren't really executing on it. And I feel like the guys that were bringing numbers with were already gassed because we were out there. Like the time of possession was so out of whack. Even when we were ahead, the time of possession was always out of whack. And we didn't do any favors uh, the second half of the game with a longer drive to give them some rest. So in a way, the biggest reason I think that they came back was almost because of our own success like the or the way that we create our own success we the defense was out there a lot a lot a lot so that that didn't help so the, it, it it's interesting how those two pieces almost uh synchronize the first two keys of the game if the running game gets better we have these longer drives longer time of possession we think that the defense can ramp it up for the plays that are out there and maybe get the better pass rush because if you looked at the jets game it was another ravens victory i think we had 38 minutes time of possession something ludicrous like it was long so that's the uh i think I would like to track that as a, as a team here, you know, like let's track and see when we have longer time of possession, how we felt our D line played and vice versa. I, I bet you there's a correlation. The Ravens lost the time of possession against the jets. Whoa. Yeah. Jets, really? had, jets had a 32 30. Oh man. I must have remembered it backwards. 
Uh, Not trying to dunk on you. I just wanted to double check no. your number, and I found I mean, out that it was the inverse. <laughs> at least it was a little less lopsided. How about that? But uh, yeah. <laughs> it was within the margin of error. Um, okay, well, adjust your ranks accordingly. <laughs> I still think it's worth tracking for what it's worth. I still think it's worth yeah. tracking. No, I, I, and I think your point stands because I, I think that's an outlier there. Generally speaking, when you ha- win the time of possession, your defense is going to have a better game, particularly your front seven. Um, you're not going to tax them as much. I, I think you're 100% right in that statement, independent of whether or not that's what worked against the Jets. So, yeah, I think if we crunch the numbers of all Ravens games in history, you, your your point would be backed up by the numbers. I, w- I would be shocked if it wasn't. And, yeah, that's that's basic football, right? That That's one of the founding tenets of the game. So it's just one of the things where the Ravens are just going to have to get back to basics with that and try and, and simplify the game a little bit in that sense. Yeah. I, I think from my perspective, I mean, two guys that I really want to see take a step up in this game, kind of have a bounce back Matabuke and Owe. I, I know, I think Owe has been picked on a lot uh, by some people. And I think even Harbaugh kind of called him out on one of the presser that he needs to be playing a lot better. He's yeah. I mean, for a guy, you know, we've been expecting a jump from him. He's been really quiet these past two weeks. I mean, he did have a really nice uh, uh, play on defense. I think it was uh, tackling Chase. Was it Chase Edmonds or Mostert? One of them in the backfield. It was a really nice open field tackle uh, that he had from that. But as far as like pass rush, just really have not seen much from him. We really need him to be disruptive. Uh, same as Matabuke. I mean, he had a fantastic week one. A little bit more quiet this game. So um, those two young players, uh, you know, if they want to be great, like. They got to bounce back, and I, you know, I know sacks will be difficult, but pressures count. Uh, we'll certainly, you know, pressures, quarterback hits, anything like those will make plays in other ways. Um, it doesn't have to be sacks, but uh, they need to have more of an impact than what they had week two. Mac was not sacked last week; he was only hurried three times. I'm curious to see how they try to play against us. You know, we have different um, playbooks so far. We've seen a little bit of everything. People trying to get the ball out fast, being worried about the pass rush. We've also seen defying the pass rush and saying, you know what, we don't think you're going to get there and seeing if they can attack further down the field. So I'm curious what their approach will be. They don't quite have the wide receiver playmakers that make me worry about extended plays. It's not the Yak Monsters we played last week. So I think it'll be a little different, but I am definitely interested in seeing the personnel they bring out, you know, if they do the two tight end sets because they invested heavily in their tight end room last year, just kind of see what they, how they think they can best match up against the Ravens defense. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Of the pass catchers on this team, the only one I think that you really are looking at as a potential guy to break a big play from anywhere on the field would be Nelson Aguilar. And even him, I mean, Aguilar's, this is what his either third or fourth team. And and there's a reason for that. The guy has potential, but, you know, it's just never really been able to put it together to be one of the top complete wide receivers in this league. And he has started out as the top uh, receiver for this New England Patriots passing attack. But if you look after him there, well, actually, excuse me, Jacoby Myers uh, has almost twice as many targets on the season as Aguilar, although only 12 more receiving yards. Myers is going to be the the blanket, you know, check down guy, possession receiver. He's reliable. And then outside of that, though, everyone else is pretty much disappointing on this offense uh, from receiving perspective. Kendrick Bourne has not shown the flashes they showed last year. Uh, Johnny Smith has yet to, to um, find his footing in New England after a, a promising start to his career in Tennessee. Hunter Henry has been non-existent in the receiving game. Uh, Devonte Parker a lot. Uh, I wouldn't, shouldn't say a lot, but there was some chatter that he could be a red zone threat for this team uh, over the off season. Uh, so far, he has one catch for nine yards so far this season, uh, zero touchdowns. So uh, you look at this group; it's it's kind of a, a mishmash of guys who were cast off from other places for uh, never really living up fully to their hype and. You know, it, it's a unit. It It is a unit that if the Ravens have a bad day, the Patriots can use these guys effectively enough to get a win. So, you know, you have to respect them in that regard. But certainly, yes, 
when you're talking about looking at a bounce back performance, this is one of the the best wide receiver corps to to have that matchup against. You still got to to execute, but this comparatively speaking is a, a step down in competition than what the Ravens had to line up against last week or even the week before. Like I think sure. uh, Elijah yeah. Moore and we saw Garrett Wilson break out last week, you know, they're more of a threat, uh, Corey Davis than these these particular wide receivers. I will say they're a very balanced team. You know, you look at it, Mac Jones has only attempted 65 passes all year. Uh, they've run the ball doing some quick math in my head. It's like uh, about 50 times with their main backs. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. It's pretty balanced for uh, the NFL. Obviously, a little bit more pass, but not not terribly much. I think if we want to keep going with that conversation point of the defensive line, we saw that they've been the offensive line's been able to create holes um, for the running game. We saw that the running game was kind of effective for Miami, particularly in some key spots. And I'm curious if uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris can get anything going against our team. I think that they'll definitely try to start that way. I think that's kind of their DNA is to try to get the ball running and then uh, trigger the pass off of that. But I don't know. Like, I think Damian and Ramondre are the kinds of backs the Ravens can contain very well with the personnel that they have. So I think that we might be able to stop the run pretty effectively. I mean, either way, I, th- I think it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for the Ravens. Um, you know, I, I think we called this out in the Miami game, but I mean, they struggled a little bit uh, just letting up some chunk run plays in certain situations. Um, you know, I guess the Jets, I think they had a little bit more success, but honestly, I mean, Michael Carter uh, overall, I thought had a fairly good game. Uh, it was Brees Hall. It was a little bit more disappointing, uh, but he was still kind of effective in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, certainly falls on defensive line, linebackers if they're in. Another guy to kind of pick on week two. A lot of people have kind of been picking on him uh, as of the last like two years. <laughs> Patrick Queen. Uh, I think these guys just they have to execute better, be able to be in the right positions of uh, identifying the you know the gaps that you know they need to control and and just you know making plays, um, making tackles. A lot of missed tackles. Just guys you know getting hands on people but not actually stopping anybody or, or bringing them down. Um, it's a lot of fundamental stuff that just needs to get better. You know stuff from like a you know, I agree with you guys from like an opponent. Like, this is a great time for the Ravens to correct. Uh, I think it's very doable. But, uh, you know, you got to get better at those fundamentals because if not, like, I could see a scenario in which, like, New England just runs us over and then, you know, they dominate time of possession and, you know, we can't get on the field. And, you know, their defense is good enough to be able to stop, uh, you know, Lamar if, if they can get him off the field, you know, particularly given our uh, third down conversion rate is it's just not good. So there is a scenario where New England can have the pieces to beat us. But it's also like, the you know, if the Ravens start executing a little bit better in all these phases that we talked about, like, they could win this game too. I agree with that. And I think you bring up a great point. Um, Again, you look at the Dolphins game and Chris, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's going to come down to fundamentals because we know with how good the Patriots offensive line is, is that these running backs are going to have holes. They're going to be able to create them. So that's just going to come down to are the Ravens front seven, you know, are they fundamentally tackling? Are, Are they hitting the right gaps? Are they wrapping up when the ball carrier comes to them? And, you know, because if, if they don't, I think you bring up a great point. The the Patriots could use this uh, rushing attack to to lengthen drives and kind of, you know, slowly chip away at the defense. And that's kind of what Miami did early on in that game. The Ravens were letting up a lot of short stuff, despite the fact they were able to get off some turnovers and really keep the Dolphins out of the end zone for the most part. But... You know, just slowly the Dolphins just continued to chip away and the Ravens' fundamentals uh, got sloppier as the game went on and that allowed the offense to hang in enough until they were able to really get themselves going at full strength. And while we haven't seen it from this Patriots offense yet this season, there were a couple games last year where Mac Jones was really able to to let the ball rip. You know, if we look back at the 2021 season for him... Sure, he's against lesser opponents, but you know he still had three touchdown games against Cleveland and Jacksonville last year. Some big passing games in matchups against like Tennessee and Dallas. 
you know, this guy, while certainly there are some shortcomings in his game at this stage in his career, if you give him the right situation, he can perform. And, you know, we, we saw what can happen last week. You know, we just let up a career game from Tua. Uh, it's certainly not something we were expecting going into this game. So, yeah, it, it, it makes for boring analysis, but I think you're 100% right. Defensive fundamentals are going to be a huge key here in the Ravens, between the Ravens having an easy victory or one where they're going to sweat it out or hopefully not, but possibly, you know, let a, another win slip through their fingers. Yeah, the interior linebackers are a big focus point for me and one of the last keys of the game I had just because we had the exact same script for Queen, a great game one of the year, a very poor game two, getting lost in second level and just letting passes get behind him that shouldn't have happened. You know, like we're not ever expecting him to be man on man with Waddle, but we are expecting him to be in the way so they don't have the throwing lane to get it to Waddle. And sometimes like he didn't know what was behind him. And same thing, man. Josh Bynes, dude. Oh, it pains me to say it, dude. But I, I'm not. I'm not so sure he still has it, man. I think. Uh, I think time might have caught up to him. I was watching the film of him, and it it didn't look like the same old Josh Bynes even out there. So the reinforcements are gone. Uh, Ross is on IR, not season ending, but they said you know we'll see where he's at in four weeks. So we can't use him. We got Malik Harrison, but he's kind of our pseudo outside linebacker, given the depth problems we have there. So it's a very interesting problem. You know, good that we kept five of them now, I guess. <laughs> you know, I think Welsh is going to find the field a little bit more. But honestly, when I say all that, I'm like, get Stone on the field, get Hamilton on the field, get or Darius on the field, Stevens, get me any of these tweener bodies on the field instead. I am kind of tired of the inside linebackers being the Achilles heel. I'd rather be lighter, dare them to run, and step up in that regard. I believe in those players to stop the run. I really do. So maybe that's uh, ignorance on my part, but I would much rather have a lighter personnel that gives me more confidence in the pass game and figure out the run game. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, you know, either, I mean, either option, you're dealing with some growing pains, right? Um, you know, some of the guys you mentioned, like, you know, even them, like some of them, like, you know, Hamilton didn't have the best in, you know, games from, from them either. Right. In, uh, in coverage. So, you know, there, there's going to be growing pains either way. I think, um, I think with Queen, it's like, you know, just him being a third year player, there's, you know, a little bit more of an expectation of like who we have, you know, but that, but that's not, all, you know, it's not always true. Infamously, you know, we like to talk about Bowser and that, you know, Peter didn't believe in him until, you know, year four, year five. And then like all of a sudden, true. okay, yep. we understand your value <laughs> now. But uh, yeah, it's certainly bleak. I mean, you know, the, the Ravens have talked to um, Blake Martinez, he used to play for the Packers, uh, for the Giants, I think most recently. He would be an option inside linebacker if they do decide to sign him. Uh, I don't mind it, but it's, you know, he might be like a little bit of an upgrade, maybe over like Bynes, but I don't know if he would be like significantly better than Queen at this point. Um, You know, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days, but he could be another option. I I mean, I would prefer him out there than more snaps from Welsh. Um, Just, you know, from the snaps that we've kind of seen with Welsh in in the preseason. I think we just get more of the same from him, to be honest, especially in uh, in passing situations. But, uh, I mean, you never know. Um, you know, the Ravens will decide what they want to do with that situation. But signs are down right now for this position group, for sure. For me, I, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, it's not a new problem. I've been dealing with this since 2019, um, since Mosley left. So, one hand, like, it's kind of old news. <laughs> it's almost kind of a little tiring of talking about it continually because we're kind of having the same issues um there are ways to get around it there are ways to kind of mitigate it i I think the answer for me is just like well we're gonna see how it happens but i totally i i agree it could be an option to to bring on a lot of these safeties i mean that's where our depth is that's where we're uh you know we have a lot more players we're excited about there so um i think that could be an option but we'll just have to see yeah it's definitely frustrating that we're in what year four of trying to you know search around the streets for what vet 
inside linebacker is available uh, to help this defense. Um, and I know we've talked about in the past that interior linebacker doesn't have the same value to defense as it has in in seasons past with the NFL moving so much to spread formations, but it, it still has its place on the defense and you still need guys who can play the position. And Bynes has, has been that guy for us the past few seasons of just the coach on the field. And he still is that, but yeah, I agree with Alec. The first two games have not been the Josh Bynes that we have come to expect uh, over the past couple seasons. Martinez, he's available. You know, he was, he's been a solid linebacker in his career. He's available right now because of he's coming off an ACL injury, I'm supposing. So the question there is, and I'm sure the Ravens are, are, are going through this right now, if they sign him, is he even going to be healthy enough to to step in and, and provide at, at least depth? There's that there. Something on his side is that he's younger than Bynes. He's 28, I believe I'm seeing. So there's that, I guess. But yeah, it, it's really not a great spot for the Ravens to be in right now. That said, again, like we said, just after week one, we were talking all about how good of a game Patrick Queen had against the Jets. Yes, he still had some missed tackles in there, but for the most part, he was did a good job with his assignments, was hitting gaps in the run game in particular. We'll see what happens. It, it's, it might just be that Patrick Queen, just that's just who he is. He's just going to be a roller coaster guy. There's going to be certain matchups that play better to his skill set, other matchups where teams will have receivers that can really take advantage of his limitations in the pass coverage and, Rams just going to have to scheme around that, put him in situations where he can be a, a game wrecker and then find contingencies for spots where he's not. So with all that said, I am interested to see how he plays against the Patriots because, again, I think this offense is a little more in line with with how he would match up well than the Dolphins were. I think this is more closer to, the, to a, a matchup against the Jets as far as, you know, the pace of this team. Again, pocket passer. Um, well, I guess two was a pocket passer too, but he had definitely had more mobility than Flacco did in week one. But at the same time, again, how is Queen going to do against this offensive line when on run blitzes and in, in those cases? So, yeah, it's certainly a situation we're hoping that the Ravens can, can patch eventually, but going to be something to watch for in this game. I want to turn it back around to the linebackers for the Patriots, led by Judon. Yes, very he's excited for this great. matchup. <laughs> yeah, he's off to a great start. We got to see our offensive line neutralize him, not let him get a sack against his former quarterback. And also they have other players on their team that you got to keep an eye on. Josh Uche, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He was actually the pick player picked at the 60th pick of the draft that we traded to the Patriots to go back. Back in, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was the 2020 draft because we got Dobbins and then I was hoping we get Mims at the 60 and we he got sniped at 59 and then uh, we traded out of the 60 pick because I was, I was convinced they were trying to get Mims there too and that's why they trade back. But uh, <laughs> I guess we avoided a landmine there. But yeah, you have these linebackers and I'm curious to see the chess match that Lamar Jackson has with them. What I saw last game that was a huge growth point is that they got to the line so much faster which I was really great to see because I did a whole concern episode with Ken McCusick about it the week before being like, they got to get to the line faster. And not only did they get to the line faster, but you saw Lamar calling checks, identifying blitzes, corner blitzes even, and then hitting the player there and all the good stuff. Like it, I thought his recognition last game was so good. And we were talking, like we were calling him MVP. We were talking about how good of a game it was and how overshadowed it was. And that was a piece that we forgot to talk about last week is how much better they were at getting to the line, communicating assignments and executing. So I want to see them build on that and see if that kind of behavior, hurry ups to keep personnel on the field, checks, uh, audibles, etc., can neutralize the pass rush and just any kind of chicanery coming from the New England defense. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we talked about when we were discussing the offense, how the offense probably isn't enough to win this game for the Patriots. Uh, their defense can be. We saw that in 2020. Sure, there was the bad weather, but it was also how this defense played the Ravens and what they did to, to take away the consistent big plays from this offense. And this linebacking core is uh, no joke. It's one of the best 
in the league. Judon has been one of the rare players, along with Sedarius Smith, who's left Baltimore and elevated his game. He has been was an absolute beast last season and has just continued to do that this uh, year in these first two games. A particular play against the Patriots, sorry, that the Patriots made against the Steelers last week that kind of shows the the danger that Judon can still bring in the d- defense. He was rushing the right side of the defense, and Trubisky scrambles out to his left. Uh, Judon notices and is able to go for opposite fi- side of the field and at least tackle Trubisky behind the line of scrimmage. I can't remember if it was a sack or not. Trubisky might have gotten the ball out, but... You know, Trubisky is not Lamar. He does not have his speed, but Trubisky still actually has decent speed and mobility for a quarterback. So that's a very athletic play for a player like Judon to make there. And, you know, the the rest of their linebacking core is is very solid as well. This is a unit that could give the Ravens offensive line some issues, especially considering that we still don't know if Ronnie Stanley is going to suit up. Now, like we said earlier in the show, the Ravens, offensive line for all the trouble they had defending the run held up extremely well in pass protection. Now, part of that, again, like Alec was saying, was part was because of the quickness of the offense and getting to the line, getting the ball out. So that'll be an interesting test. Will the Ravens offensive line be able to maintain keeping Lamar uh, as upright and clean in the pocket as they were able to against Miami against uh, another strong defensive opponent? Um, I don't know if I'd say if New England's defense is is, is better than Miami's is, because Miami has a lot of talent on their defensive side of the ball as well. But it'll certainly at least be a, a comparable matchup uh, for this offensive line on Sunday. Yeah, I'm curious if the you know Greg Roman is going to try and maybe put more on the plate of uh, some of our wide receiving options. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think... Uh, you know, the last week or so, I, I think the, the Ravens have still tried to take some deep shots. Maybe against Miami, they had a few more of those, you know, really large chunk plays that kind of inflated some of the numbers. But I'd be curious in, in those, you know, second and long, third and long situations, are they going to try and uh, target Mark Andrews, knowing that, you know, it's Bill Belichick, he knows that Mark Andrews is like the key to the Ravens offense. Um, are they going to try and feed him the ball and take advantage of just his ability to just beat almost any matchup? Or are they going to try and maybe uh, take a little bit more favorable matchups uh, to some of the secondary receiving options? You know, obviously we've seen a little bit from Duvernay. Um, he's really stepped up these first few weeks. Um, it sounds like he might be practicing soon. Harb said that he uh, didn't show any concussion symptoms, but I don't I don't remember if he was technically in the protocol. Um, he's still there, yeah. He's, he's still there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he might have a chance. Uh, but if not, I mean, you know, guys like Likely um, – you know, Prochet, if he finally, you know, is able to come back healthy. I actually don't know if he was practicing today, but yeah, I'd just be curious to, to see if we can get some of these other guys involved or if we're going to try and, you know, feed uh, feed Andrews, feed Bateman. I think a matchup where the Ravens might be able to have an advantage in this game if they're able to give Lamar the same protection that he had last week is really in this secondary. Now, from a safety perspective, you know, back there, the Patriots have Devin McCourty. They have Kyle Duggar, although Duggar got hurt against Pittsburgh, and I don't believe he played in the second half, so I think he's questionable to play in this game. Um, if he's out, I th- think Jabril Peppers is there and would take his spot. But cornerback is is a position of weakness on this defense. Uh, the Patriots lost J.C. Jackson in free agency. Uh, I think he's with the Chargers now. And the guys that they have replaced him, him, I honestly don't know too much about him, but in watching the film of the Patriots against the Steelers, uh, I wasn't terribly impressed with them. Uh, Mills in particular didn't look terribly great. He did get an interception in the game, but that was more so just being in the right spot at the right time on a play that uh, either McCordy or Duggar, I can't remember which, blew up and ball just basically fell into his arms. Um, actually, according to PFF, Mills is the currently the worst ranked uh, cornerback by their metric uh, for whatever that means. You know, other some people I know have a differing opinions on how much stock you want to put into those rankings. But yeah, I, I think that the, you know, this could be another good spot for, for Bateman. Um, maybe get to Marcus Robinson involved a little more too, to have some mismatches here that the Ravens could take advantage of. Now, again, like I said, the safeties here, 
they're going to try and help out. That's what their scheme's going to do. But um, if you got them one-on-one, this seems like a matchup that the Ravens should be able to win with their wide receivers. Absolutely. Hoping for a big game out of the wide receivers. Definitely want to see DuVernay uh, get back on the field. He didn't practice, obviously, due to the concussion. And then Prochet had limited practice due to a groin injury, which, by the way, Ravens have a lot of groin injuries right now. Isaiah Likely, groin injury, limited practice. Marlon Humphrey, groin injury, did not practice. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> What's up with Stop that? eating Taco Bell, guys. <laughs> Straining too hard. <laughs> Anyway, interest- <laughs> yeah. Well, the other interesting, uh, I guess, player injuries is that Travis Jones was a full participant with the knee injury, and Demarion Williams limited with an ankle. Uh, quad injury for Stevens was limited, and Ronnie ankle limited. Those, I guess, were the most notable injuries. Other people had just uh, rest days, not injury related, and and of course Lamar's right elbow. The, uh, the great right elbow controversy. Everyone wanted to ask him and Harbaugh about it. And he's like, I'll be out there. It's fine. He's like, I didn't throw it today because I'm going to be throwing a lot on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just laughed that you put Stanley out there with an ankle. It's like, oh, it's, I thought like, oh, do you have a new injury pop up that we didn't know about? <laughs> oh, oh, no, Stanley. same old Ronnie. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Let's not. Do you want to do some bold predictions? Oh, yeah, man. why not? I just got to say one thing. You know, I think that one way we can get Ronnie Stanley back on the field is to reopen Jeepers. You know? <laughs> I, he, I think Ronnie's a couple years younger than us, so I'm sure he went back to Jeepers parties in the day. Maybe that's why he's not playing. He's just holding out for, for Jeepers. This is a, a, a not very well advertised protest. To get Jeepers back, you know, you know, I got, I got a son now. He, he doesn't know about Jeepers. You know, let's, let's do this. Let's do this for Ronnie Stanley, my son. Let's get Jeepers back open. That's, that's my takeaway from all this. You know, never in a million years did I think the Ravens were going to lose against the Dolphins based on what was happening earlier in the game, and never in sixteen million years did I suspect Jeepers would be such a prominent figure <laughs> in this one winning pod episode. Oh, Hashtag man. save Jeepers. <laughs> Let's get it trending. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have a bold prediction I would like to put out for everybody. This Let's is this. Uh, the definition of good juju, putting it out there. OA, one sack, two pressures. I like it. I don't know if I'd say this is a bold prediction, but I'll, I'll give it this. I'm going to say that the Ravens keep the Patriots out of the end zone. I think it's pretty bold. It's just That's just hard to do. It is hard to do, and this defense has um, some injuries. So, Is it bold to say that Marcus Williams will get another interception? Honestly, man, three-peat. It's like, I think it's, uh, I think it's plenty bold. I mean, it's just, it's just hard, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, well, he's, he's at, is it three? Four? Wait, no, three? Three. Right? Yeah, four. he's at three for, three for the season. Yeah, it could have been four. Um, yeah, he's having a fantastic start. Um, I know we didn't really talk about him much this episode, but yeah, he's been great in the turnover department. Uh, sorely needed after last year. So I'm going to say uh, gets another one off Mac Jones. Huge difference maker. Chris, what is your score prediction? Oh, gosh. I really hope uh, this one doesn't go over. Um, but not in a million of years have expected a 42-38 to 38 loss <laughs> last week. That's way too high. Um, I'm going to say this one's going to be a lower scoring. Um, how about uh, how about 27-13 Ravens? I'm not going to lie. I am nervous about this game being a trap game. The... Patriots, they have talent on defense. Like we said, their offensive line is good enough to dominate our front seven if they're not on their game. That being said, I think that the Ravens will come into this game with a renewed focus after what happened last week. You don't suffer that big of a defeat with with that much of a loss lead and have as much talent as this team has and come out flat the next game. At least I don't think so. So I... I am going to say that the Ravens win this game 20 to 12, although I will say I am nervous about this one. You could have added a one to it. You would have had 21. Could have. Do it. 
You missed it. Come on. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't I don't think the Ravens are gonna are gonna be perfect on the on their drives though. I think, you know, with these third down issues we're having, I think we're gonna see a couple field goals in this game. You could have had two safeties and a field goal. Come uh, on, man. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Somebody passed. Or just every week just, I could just make the game prediction 21 to 12 and then I'd always have it because we're always true. so yeah. right on these predictions anyway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't mention it, but Alec and I both got our bold predictions last week. Um, That's right. Alec, you guys with did. The, with the old reliable uh, 100 yards and a, and a TD for Andrews, he got that. And for me, although, you know, kind of fell into it, uh, the longest uh, the longest offensive play of the game was a run play, but it was Lamar, not any of the running backs. So. <laughs> So, I think the Ravens win this game. I think they win it actually pretty handily. I just don't believe in the offensive weapons of the Patriots. And I think that McDonald is going to put the team in better situations to succeed. I do think he had a very bad fourth quarter calling plays. One thing we really didn't talk about, because I think it was so immediate, is that one play on third and six that went to Tyreek for the big touchdown when uh, everyone was blaming Hamilton for not being in position? I think it failed on several levels, right? First of all, Hamilton was in the box showing apparent pressure. And his even if his assignment was to bail back, it's Tyreek Hill. He was never going to get there, right? So that was bad. And if you see that and it's the wrong alignment, like he shouldn't have been there any at all, you got to call timeout. We had timeouts. It was a third down. It was totally acceptable to call timeouts because you don't like what you see. So I think it was a failure on all fronts. I'm not trying to excuse anybody or lay blame, but I think we need to keep it simpler against even the lesser opponent. Let's not get too crazy. Let's not do anything wild. Just play your assignments, execute, and you'll come out ahead. This team is not scary offensively. And I think our defense can feast. So therefore, I'm going to go with your prediction, Peter, I'm going to boost up the Ravens and their scoring potential. I'm going to say they score another 31 points, or like my old prediction last time, but only nine points for the uh, for the Patriots. I like it. I like whenever the Ravens win. I don't care how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps it up, guys. Give us your predictions in the comments on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys listening. Where's our Twitter? At One Winning Pod, of course. Check that out. Check out the YouTube channel for another History Corner and Bets this week. We're really excited about that aspect of the content this year. And yeah, thanks so much. Reach out, onewinningpod at gmail.com if email is your thing. And we'll be back after a hopeful Ravens win and after filling our bellies at the Greek Festival. Right, guys? That's right. I'm going to go to the Greek Festival. That's right. 2504, Cup Hill Road. <laughs> <laughs> be there, be square. Try the Suvaki. Oh, that's where I'll be watching the game. <laughs> yeah, try the Suvaki. <laughs>